Hi, I'm Ricardo Deacon. I'm Orla Magdalas. And welcome to a special episode of The Recommendation Game. You're listening to Dublin Digital Radio, and I'd like to welcome our guest for the week, uh, Kira McNeilis, friend of the pod and sister to Orla. Sister of the pod. <laughs> How are you, Kira? Hi, everybody. Thanks for the introduction, Ricardo. How are you doing? Doing well? I am. I'm excited. My first ever podcast. Ready for some arguments? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're very outnumbered this week, Ricardo. So, uh. oh, yeah. <laughs> so the, the movie was picked by Kira, obviously, since she's the guest. It is Cria Cuervos uh, from 1976, directed by Carlos Saura, produced by Elias Querejeta y, and Carlos Saura. Mm, Spanish names. Written by Carlos Saura. I'll try to pronounce <laughs> it properly. Uh, well, like Spanish, it's not my Spanish, okay? Uh, starring Ana Torrent, Geraldine Chaplin, <laughs> uh, Hector Alterio, and Florinda Chico. Cinematography by Teo Escamilla, and edited by Pablo González de Lamo. Music by Frederick Monpu and José Luis Perales. I think you just gained us like 400 new fans with that <laughs> yeah. accent there, Ricardo. The, the, the closest I'll ever be to Antonio Banderas. <laughs> <laughs> The very poor IMDb synopsis is uh, three orphan sisters under the custody of their stern aunt, 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 well, three orphan sisters under the custody of their stern aunt and their handicapped grandmother oh dear. will have to acclimatize to the new conditions of their shared life, overcome life's constant impediments and in the process grow up. Who the fuck wrote that? Like? Handicapped? Um, hmm. Like, did they watch the movie as well? <laughs> <laughs> that's, yeah, that's an old one, I think. There's a lot of problems with that synopsis. So, uh, Kira, uh, why did you pick the movie? Well, contrary to popular belief, Orla is not the only McNeilis sister who studied film as part of her undergrad. Uh, I've been t- spreading that lie for <laughs> quite some time. I know, now. and people believed you, but it's time for the truth. What, Claire did film? <laughs> <laughs> oh, Ricardo. So yeah, shout out to Tony Tracy, who did a module on cinema with us back in... Hi, Tony. I'm I'm not going to say what year, because no one needs to know that. But yeah, basically, this is one of the films that we studied, and I loved it. I have to say, it's something that it's always stuck with me. It's probably one of my favorite films, if I'm honest. It's quite haunting, I think. It's quite a weird film as well, like not much really happens. I was trying to explain to somebody what actually happens in it, and I, you know... There isn't a huge amount of plot. Um, And I think it deals with something that is a lot of people's fear, both as a child and as an adult, and that's losing a parent. Uh, And the other thing is, as one of three sisters, I thought it would be interesting to talk about that as well. The the sibling relationships and how Anna seems to experience everything in a totally different way to the other two. You're the middle child as well, aren't you? No, I'm the oldest child. (laughs) Notice the middle child is not here. Oh. Yes, and also, yeah. also is no friend of the pod. I will point out, Claire doesn't listen. She's uh, Claire, prove us wrong, Claire. <laughs> uh, Orla, what did you think of the movie? Uh, that's funny, actually, you're saying about how Anna uh, experiences things differently. I didn't really think of that, but yeah, it's kind of true. And it wasn't until maybe I was about half an hour into the movie that I was like, ah, three sisters. <laughs> yeah. I'm one of three sisters. So um, am I. <laughs> 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 revelation time um yeah so it's funny i think the the first thing i was thinking was that um it was really nice to be uh back kind of in the in the kind of the the world of of like gears and teenage gears and because we hadn't really i was trying to think of like the last one that we did because we kind of we were, we were on a roll there like mustang and we are the best and we did an awful lot of kind of like uh young girls or teenage girls and you know like some really really good stories so uh, i really enjoyed kind of being back in like the same kind of idea of like a very closed little environment with these young girls and them growing up and how girls are together and like um even in this sort of like strange way that this movie deals with it but um I thought that this is kind of a really interesting choice after uh what do you call it the spirit of the beehive um not just because Anna Torrent is in it it's also <laughs> produced by Elias Querejeta Oh yeah, I knew that there was another connection as well. But um, obviously, they're they're both dealing with the kind of aftermath of like the civil war and Francoism and everything. But I think in the spirit of the Beehive, because when's that set again? The 
Uh, that's like 1930. 40s? Yeah, 1940 or something. Yeah, it's so it's, War it's basically just after. So everything in that, it feels very much like a fresh wound. Whereas this feels like everything is much more deep-seated because you've had like the, the decades of the strain of living under this regime. And I think that uh, the film deals with it in a really kind of like claustrophobic, interesting way. Um, and that kind of like sort of brings me to one of the things I really liked about it is um, the the kind of the, the claustrophobia and like the, the feeling of being sort of like weirdly like trapped in this oppressive house. Like I started feeling kind of almost uncomfortable and the way I did whenever I was watching like um, like Mustang and how yeah. everything's very closed in and like not just in the fact that they don't leave the house very much, but even in the way that everything is very everything's very tight and close and even like how often they linger on tight close-ups of Anna's face you're constantly right in her face for very long shots and her face is so like you've drawn into it that you almost feel like trapped by her face or something like she's incredible like we talk about her um in a minute but uh I also really like the um the theme of of memory and uh like how in a way, it's a way to kind of like relive, like uh, you know, your your fond memories, kind of, in the, or to to use it as sort of escapism in the way, the kind of creepy way that Granny does, but then also in the obviously the very haunting way that people are kind of like haunted by their past lives or haunted by lives that they're not living, and I really like the way that that's handled, like uh, especially the way they use like um, the like childhood memories and stuff and how in the weird shifting timeline it's you're never quite sure whose uh perspective you're getting it's kind of like you have adult anna talking about you know it's her reliving the memories and then some of it, and it, it's very interesting it's like it has that shifting quality of a memory but of a kind of a dark oppressive dream yeah more than than memory that that you, that you you know that feeling whenever you're and you wake up after a dream and you feel like you can't leave it because it's still like pressing down on you. That's the same kind of a uh, feeling that you have whenever you're locked within your own mind. And uh, I think that movie gives you that feeling, but then also is very good at portraying it in the characters. Yeah. Um. So yeah, like it's like I enjoyed it, but at the same time, like it is quite. There's bits of it that are quite like just really like haunting imagery in this and and not even just the fact that death is such a theme like constant 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 death of everything and i knew that per hamster was gonna yeah. die <laughs> and all i could think about was ashling because uh, our, our cousin and how she like she has hamsters obviously is it, is they it keep a, dying is it a gerbil yeah and like it was just really sad I don't, is it is it a guinea pig or a hamster i don't i think that's she i think anna has a as a guinea pig but that's all i thought of was was our cousin ashling but uh um yeah just like that i was really really like after watching it that scene where she sees herself on the top of the building because like as soon as you see that shot and i could see the figure and i was like oh i was like is that her? and then it zooms in that is such a like creepy like horror movie surrealist yeah. image yeah. and you don't like zooms no but like, it's the 70s i don't mind <laughs> i don't mind zooms in the 70s but like in, in that kind of way it, it made me it was funny because we just we just watched don't look now and that made me think of don't look now like that weird and the fact that she's seeing herself like some really like quite disturbing um imagery but um i don't want to sorry i'm I'm monopolizing time here but uh, i i really 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 liked it i thought it was really interesting and uh i think there are some things that that are maybe are wouldn't work in other movies but i think work within because this is such a it's a very contained piece yeah it keeps its its uh its tone going but uh ricardo what did you think well, first of all, uh, thank you for continuing the theme of fascism amongst <laughs> guests. What is um, it? What is it about our guests and fucking fascism? Oh, they've been listening to fascism. my <laughs> Fascism is sexy these days. We just yeah. want to please you, Ricardo. Uh, it's all about Ricardo. Give yeah. me something to talk about. Uh, but like, uh, interestingly enough, I was watching The Devil's Backbone before you picked this movie uh, and then listening to interviews of Guillermo del Toro and why he goes back to making films about the Civil War and about the Spanish Civil War. And it's because it's this strange thing that didn't have the cathartic effect of a world war to end the the fascism regime because it just ended from one day to the next. There was no consequences for the generals that were 
uh, under Franco, there was no yeah. uh, tribunals. There were no it's a different justice, kind of legacy, and it was just forgotten, uh, as in like well, uh, like brushed under the rug. That everybody is like for the sake of having freedom again and not having a dictatorship. They and to not have another civil war was to kind of let it be and sit in the background and it hasn't been really discussed within uh, Spanish society up to now really that the scars are coming out which is interesting because until like 2008 or something uh, all the films about the Spanish Civil War and Francoism were made during the Spanish uh, during Franco's regime there was like there's very few films of note about the Civil War that it made in yeah, Spain think from of the 76 until... Prominent Spanish filmmakers, even yeah. someone like a Motivar or whatever, it's... They don't even touch it as no. a, as an, uh, an allegory as in this movie. Carlos Saura, I actually made, uh, used one of his films, which is also an allegory about the Spanish Civil War, uh, for my Spanish dissertation in college. Shout out to Jesus. Uh, which was La Caza. Which is oh, very yeah. much like uh, Wake did and we, Fright. Did we watch no, that? Uh, no, I, I watched it by oh. myself for the... I don't know if you watched it separately, but it was in something <laughs> I feel in like we may, we may have watched that in in a class or talked about it anyway. Yeah, we would have talked yeah. about it because it's one of the the Spanish movies because Carlos Sauda is one of the most renowned filmmakers of his time. Um, the other thing that I thought that I was I was oddly surprised and I never thought that I would say this but uh, I think that Geraldine Chaplin is the best thing about this movie and uh, I'm very Which surprised one is that? Geraldine Ch- Chaplin is the mother she's an American actress oh, mother and grown up and, yeah, yeah, yeah. and something that I, I don't know if you guys know this because I don't know how good is your grasp of the Spanish language per se to notice because it's very subtle but that Anna played when the, uh, Geraldine Chaplin is playing Anna, she's dubbed over by a Spanish actress. And when she's playing the mom, she's uh, Geraldine Chaplin's voice, which is slightly American accented. And that's why she's listening to the song, uh, that song that keeps playing. is by an American singer also. And in this heavily uh, accented. Yeah. So it brings I the link. That's the why s- she remembers. I knew about the song, but I didn't, I didn't know that about I didn't the... notice it either. I've, yeah. I've been told it since. Yeah. So, but yeah, I'd never noticed it, and I didn't even notice that the song was sung with a bit of an accent yeah. as well. So I think that is slightly lost if you're not a native yeah, Spanish speaker. Like uh, for me, even it, it caught me a little while to to get it because also the the fact that when she's speaking to camera, the sound is a lot clearer than when she's speaking to Anna because obviously the yeah. the. Uh, just where the mix is on the on the movie that when she's speaking to Anna when she's like at the fridge let's say she's mm. kind of whispering so you don't get the accent as strongly as when you see her uh, talk uh, the other thing that I thought about the, there, there's a couple issues with the movie that I felt like I really liked it to begin with um, uh, but the, the issues are very minor but I, I'm no to be a stickler yeah um <laughs> The other thing that I realized that I I didn't think about until this moment and why uh, I'm particularly nostalgic when I feel nostalgic when watching movies about childhood in Spanish is because I grew up speaking Spanish as a kid. So when you have a film about growing up there, you already have like a sense of nostalgia because of the way that the the film is made. It's even... uh, heightened to me because it is in spanish because my memories of a child as a child are in spanish so it feels kind of like this weird almost uh unnoticeable thing in the background but just hearing things in spanish like uh the the maid speaking in spanish and just like having a laugh kind of thing it, it brings me directly back to my childhood that i think that is like you kind of have an extra layer of uh, connection to it, I suppose, that we yeah. wouldn't have. And um, the other thing before we get to like a free for all is that uh, I've been watching Mindhunter. <laughs> and uh, if Anna was in that show, <laughs> she would be a serial like... killer. Oh, my God. I know. <laughs> Jesus. Like, well, I've never not seen... for the want of trying. <laughs> no, but like she literally <laughs> takes all the boxes so of the she takes all the boxes of like the subcode. <laughs> have you seen Mindhunter? <laughs> no. That they're developing the zero killer the test or whatever yeah. the profiling, 
And every single... Uh, you know there are many more out there like me. Any uh, Every single uh, signifier that is like, oh, if this person went through this during childhood, they're probably going to turn out to be a serial killer. And Anna literally, I'm watching the movie. The mother. <laughs> watching the movie is like, okay, mother dead, daddy issues. She thinks she killed her dad. It started before puberty, so there's no sexuality. I was convinced but that she was going to kill that hamster as yeah. well. I was like, oh no. There's this weird sexuality as well on the movie yeah. that is like the, yeah. the, the kind of like pre- uh, preteen kind of that you know what sexuality is but you don't understand it whatsoever because yeah. you haven't gone through it so you know that it's kind of there's something happening there but you don't quite understand it and also like just her catching her father like uh, shifting the face of your one in the in the woods uh, I the thought that the Rosa Russian. thing was way more yeah. scandalous. Yeah. Because you're 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 totally like Team Rosa because she's just like mm, your father. I knew what he was up to. Blah blah blah. And she seems like she'll kind of be there to protect them. Yeah. And then there's just that one little scene where she has that weird thing where she kind of like pushes herself against the glass and then they walk in and you're like no Rosa. Yeah. And I found it hard to know if that really happened because yeah. if yeah, you notice very... that in all the flashbacks or sorry in all the scenes where Anna's imagining her mother, her mother's always wearing the same outfit. Yeah. yeah. And she's wearing that outfit in that scene where they come into the room. Yeah, well, it's kind of like a weird belted top with a skirt or something. I don't know. I think she's wearing that in that scene as well where, yeah, it just made me wonder, like, is that Anna imagining it? Or did did they actually see it? You know, did did that really happen exactly as it's it's shown? It's like the memory of um, the one that they act out in, like, their aunt's clothes. And it's like then you see Anna as if she's there and witnessing it so then I was thinking as because obviously that happens before we see that scene of them arguing and saying the same words that the kids have said and I was I thought I wondered is it that Anna did see it and relate it to them and that's what they're acting out yeah. or did one of the elder ones see it or you know it's it's like these weird layers upon layers of of kind of like different people's memories being recounted and then you know you're not sure yeah. exactly what is because the narrator mm-hmm. Anna herself is unreliable as well so and is sort of very biased and you know not quite aware of some of the things that she's saying even about her childhood self so it's very interesting it's kind of weird as well that the film is set in present day uh, but Anna can show up as an adult talking about her childhood like I oh, found yeah, that that was kind of interesting <laughs> that it's kind of like technically then a sci-fi or whatever yeah. <laughs> it would the, have been like the 90s or whatever yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's actually quite funny and how they kind of imagined that what she would have looked like and, you know, like, not what she would look like, what even the clothes she wears yeah. in the 90s, you know. That's interesting. I don't really think but of that. there's not really much to it because yeah, yeah, there's no yeah. hint given really of, of what her life is like. Yeah. It's all she talks about is she could be the in past. a cell. Is the future is <laughs> a looking <padded> back. Cell. <laughs> you know, she's, she's only talking about the past and looking back and, and how she sees it now, but nothing about how she is now or how her life is now it's kind of interesting what you were saying about the house as well the the fact that when they're inside the house it, it it's right next to like the busiest fucking avenue in madrid yeah but you don't hear it you don't hear it there's always sirens when they're outside yeah Yeah, i only noticed that actually on this viewing and i've probably seen this about five or six times you know very often when they're outside all you hear is sirens or even when the camera's outside looking in there's like you hear the sirens and the cars and beeping and all the cityscape noises and then when there it cuts to inside there's no sound whatsoever the, the house really reminded me of my granddad's house in Sao Paulo as well because it was kind of decrepit uh, coming down and it's but it was a mansion that for various reasons that would be way too complicated to explain he had to, <laughs> to live in there but he also had like the abandoned swimming pool and just going around there is like that feels, going that feels when they go outside that and you have like the billboards yeah. and even the color palette of that swimming pool it all feels very 70s but the house is like you know it's a time warp almost yeah. and I, f- I always forget that I was watching and I was like is this supposed to be summer? You know, it doesn't yeah. feel like summer. Even it does when they go outside, but not when they're in the house because it's yeah, so kind of good strangely, point. like seasonless or yeah. something. And uh, like, it, and there was the weird, the other weird thing that was like that the house looked really familiar as well. And then, like for the nostalgia kind of factor, the his house was also like near like a really main road, so I could yeah. relate the the sounds to it. 
and then also the, the movie when they're like pushing her on the 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 granny on the wheelchair going to, like abuela uh, around on the the wheelchair it reminded me of secret garden oh um, yeah and it's like a childhood memory then come in and it's like really like one after the other kind of like memories rushing in and also the the fact like the main issue that i have with the movie i'm just gonna get on here to see if you guys agree or not yeah. is the father character that's what i was gonna say that's whenever i said that the that the there's things that don't quite work but they almost get away with it in this movie yeah that's what's your issue with things. the father character besides him looking creepily like john lovitz <laughs> does he yeah okay i didn't notice that but um <laughs> friend of the pod uh, <laughs> Well, I think first of all, primarily, this is probably the main problem is that he's not it's not a good performance at all. <clears throat> and the few scenes that he's in, particularly that scene whenever he has the big confrontation with the mother, she's really good. And he's just feels and I, I feel like maybe that, that it's that, very overdramatic. It, and it could have been that it's because it's sort of coming from their interpretation of it. Yeah. But she gets away with it in the sort of strange, almost staginess of her movements. But he doesn't. Yeah. It just seems... And he's, he's this sort of strange, like, it made me think of, although not obviously as insane, of um, the uncle in The Handmaiden. Yeah. And you know, it's, it's just this crazy character. And it's not that he's so overblown, but he's just sort of like, you know, cookie cutter kind of like, he's a bad dad. He's never there. She's really, like, hates her life and wants to die. And it kind of undermined everything else because... Yeah the daughters and the mother are so well drawn. And even though I imagine the point of it is because it's their idea of him and that he's this cold, strange man that they never even knew so much so they're not upset when he dies. But I don't know. I don't know if it's his performance or, or, or what. But What do you think, Kira? Um, It's interesting that you say that you think that the sisters are so well drawn because that's my main issue with it is I feel like we don't get to know the other two sisters yeah. well enough. Uh, and yeah, I feel like... Yeah. I don't... I think... I don't know. I mean, I feel like you know enough about the dad, given what the film actually deals with. It is going to be more about the mother and what he did and how it impacted her and conversely then uh, impacted the children. Yeah. But I think you don't see enough about how Irene and Mighty are affected by things. They're just kind of there and they're almost a little bit blank. And I know that's partly because this is all about Anna, but I think I would have liked to have seen a bit more of them, you know, because when Anna gets upset, they're well Irene in particular is, looks at her like what's wrong with you why are you upset you know she doesn't kind of comfort her like yes I miss her too but she's gone yeah yeah I think that the first about the the father my biggest issue is uh having uh had a bit of a piece of shit out myself uh the weird thing of like childhood especially because at her age like that would be when I left Brazil would have been and when I was nine years old, which Anna's yeah. meant to be. And the the weird thing is that you know that the person is, like, not a good egg, let's say. But because at the same time, you don't really understand it until that point. You still have really good memories of the person because there's... Like, even if your whole experience is bad when you look back on it, because it's the only experience you have, your reaction is to, to like your to, father. Yeah. And that's why is the issue with bad parents like both mother and father in general that as a kid you trust them impre like implicitly like yeah. with, with nothing to go by so even if you're getting hit by your parents you just think oh that's they love me and you think that it's good memories when you but even when you're getting like hit let's say you, you remember the like one or two good memories you know yeah and i think even getting one moment there that they like of him being a father you know just talking to them maybe on when they're like in the finca or whatever just because obviously no person is just bad all the time and yeah, there's no indication um, that he's necessarily bad to them yeah. it's more that he's more absent yeah. than anything else but but like he's not gonna be absent 24 7 uh, so yeah, there would have been yeah, a moment that uh, he maybe they're having dinner and he's just explaining his career or whatever like it could be that he's self-centered about it but just to show the at the same time, he's not like this cookie cutter villain. He was the only character really for me that didn't have uh, uh, not an arc, but it was more like an inner life. I do think going back to 
your point there about the sisters that I do think that they're not completely well drawn per se, but I did feel that they had their own inner life. The the way how Maite almost like imitates her sisters as like yeah. the younger sisters often I do. I thought she was better probably than Ar- yeah. Irina is. Irina. I- Irina. <laughs> Because um, I, at the start, because I was like, uh, I was looking at it, you know, obviously, you know, of comparing it to my own loving <laughs> these <laughs> listeners, and I was like, I bet the youngest one is going to get, she's just going to be like young and have no personality, and it'll be like, Ugh. Just and like you, be, Orla. She'll be there, she'll be there by herself where the two older ones play together, but, um, which is no, not, she was included. Which is not really what happened, but, uh, no, I think that she, she's actually given a bit more than, uh, than it. Irina is because um, she has more lines yeah uh, yeah I think that she's actually quite a good little little actress as well and I I think maybe that um, in that kind of scenario when you're working with young children is that you kind of you maybe you get a bit more from them depending on the actor and you know maybe she was given a little bit more to do but um, yeah I think the older sister was not I mean there's one or two scenes I think where she's given like I really like that scene with the dancing yeah like not even just because it has that weird interruption when she goes down to, to talk to granny which is such a strange scene um like that all that that's the whole thing with the and how she, like not being able to speak and and the, oh, like oh it's just so like disturbing but she's um, even more trapped than the rest yeah. of them because they're yeah, all trapped in their own ways within, even yeah. the aunt because the aunt has now saddled with these three yeah. children yeah. so she's trapped and she loves this man who's trapped in a marriage with a, you know, it's yeah. the, everyone in it is trapped in their own way, but especially the granny because she can't speak and she can't walk. Yeah, and there's and she can't even remember in her eyes like she's just yeah. It's so sad when she's uh, when Anna is oh this is the apartment that you yeah. stay with granddad. This is recounting stories that she's been told by like her this. back to her. Yeah. And the, oh, it's really yeah. Uh, and like losing memory as well. Like it's, yeah, it's really. The, the problem that I had with it in it was that both her hair and her outfit reminded me far too much to Mitch from uh, Dazed and Confused. Oh my God, the <laughs> jeans. Oh my God, you're right. I kind of like though that, that her, her outfits, because she is that bit older and she was the one thing that really reminded you that it was the 70s yeah. in the house. Yeah. that like her look because everything else in the house even like Rosa and everything feels very like it could be for the 40s and I was half to like half expecting her to like press her nose going like oh shit I hate that guy <laughs> doing like the terrible performance oh my years. god she really does it's not until like they do the makeup I love yeah. that scene so much that um see I, I like that that she like within those scenes like in her interaction with the other two characters she gets a little bit more but by herself there's almost nothing yeah but, but, kinda... but i think at the same time that it shows like how she's still the way that she's still child, part of yeah. the of the posse let's say that she doesn't look down on her sisters and almost like takes control but at the same time not taking control yeah the, uh she you can tell that she's worried about her their their well-being kind of the how um even she she knows that she'd be the one that would really get into trouble when they start doing the makeup uh uh because she was left in charge let's yeah say. but but still does goes nothing for to, it. yeah that actually it's funny the <clears throat> who read it Anna um really reminded me of and it's even that within that scene whenever they're putting on the makeup is um is Sally Draper from Oh yeah from Mad Men because it's the same it's the same kind of idea of of like um a young girl um because it's obviously like the kind of like the sexuality of of Sally Draper is another thing that they kind of like play with as well but that that the kind of like the the slow destruction of her innocence yeah. through like her relationship with her father and witnessing his behavior and and like even her mother as well and that like when she from a very very young age sally has these like has strange behavior that no one can quite explain it's because she's from this strange environment of like love but you know decrepitude <laughs> like moral decrepitude but uh it actually also as well before i forget i really thought of atonement yeah and that scene whenever she walks because of the house oh yeah and that she walks in on her father and even just the the kind of the way of her telling the stories and it really really meant like the different kind of like generational thing of, of atonement as well that's a really good point i didn't even think of atonement yeah, because she's wearing the same yeah. the same kind of dress as well i actually meant to look up and because the way even the way that scene is shot made me think of of atonement and i wonder is there any connection there because she's literally it's the exact same outfit and she walks in the same way and it's, it's in, the, in some ways they're sort of similar characters kind of precocious and 
Yeah, yeah. but they don't. Yeah, it's that how they just don't understand sexuality yet. Yeah. Yeah. They see it in a particular way and say it in a matter of fact exactly how it appeared to them without any kind of um, uh, nuance. Yeah, almost. there's no nuance whatsoever. And like uh, w- what this film really reminded me of, uh, which I yeah, don't know how familiar you are with this uh, with this other director's work, but it reminded me a lot of Igmar Bergman. Which is oh. like uh, a huge compliment, uh, but the kind of psychological element of it, I and also the the oppression. kind of magical realism yeah. of the of the film, the the how uh, you were describing there, Kira, uh, that you don't know what's uh, a dream, memory, reality, imagination, the or whose, yeah. Well, like we know it's Anna's because well, she's yeah, uh, talking. Back from the nineties, <laughs> but, <laughs> but uh, Kira, what was uh, the? Uh, have you seen this movie since the first time that you watched it? Uh, uh, X year amount of years ago, uh, <laughs> to up to this point, or was it just that kind of movie that uh, made a huge impact for you uh, as a person at that time? And then you just remember, like you, you always remember it, but you might not watch it regularly. Let's say. And then just rewatched it for the podcast, or is it something that you watch like um, often enough? I wouldn't say I watch it often enough because I, unlike Orla, I'm really bad and don't watch films as often as I probably should. Uh, I've probably seen it about five times. It would have been in college where I first saw it. Yeah. Um, back in the days when you know the DVD had to be rented from the library, and the lecturer would lock it in the cabinet in the lecture room, and we'd all watch it after lectures and then he would come back and collect the dvd in the morning and once once we were watching an almodovar film and there was a sex scene and the dvd started skipping and we couldn't do anything because it was locked in the cabinet and the cleaners walked in and it looked like we were all watching porn (laughs) i love that it was was a lot of dvd stealing and (laughs) i don't know i think it was It was tie me up, tie me down, something like that. But yeah, the poor cleaner, she just looked and then walked out. And we were all like, no, 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 it's not what you think. <laughs> we're studying this. Anyway, entire- <laughs> that makes it even worse. It's like, we're we just one pointers here. There's just like 35, like 17 year olds just sitting with like notebooks. Like, <laughs> Anyway, I yeah. Anyway, so I, I have seen it a couple of times since, but... To be honest, I can't remember the last time I yeah. saw it before I watched it this week. But when I the first version of it, I started to watch it, no subtitles. And I thought, do you know what? I actually know this film nearly word for word because there isn't a huge amount of dialogue in yeah. it. And some of it yeah. is a little repetitive as well. Some of the scenes with Anna's mother where she's saying, you know, Sabi's Lord, I guess. So, you know, it's like the same scene word for word. Like it's very late, go to bed. But yeah, it's just always stayed with me. And I feel like a lot of it is to do with the music. Yeah. And yeah. I know that song, Porquete Vas, it's a bit of a, it's a love it or hate it thing. Personally, I love it. I like, I love it how bad it is. It's kind yeah, of that kind yeah. of it's like. It's the perfect song for that. Like that kind of like 60s kind of pop that was really directed to children, yeah. really. Yeah. Uh, or almost like teenage like, girls. Kind yeah, of their it, version yeah. of Backstreet Boys. Yeah. And yeah. Equally awesome. Um, but it is. But the lyrics, I love that line. Really where it's dark. like, uh, what is it like? If you translate, it's like under the shadow of a streetlight. You know, it's like, oh, that's that's quite a great lyric, I think. But it just to make sure that we hit upon it is, what do you think the movie says about uh, the Spanish Civil War and Spain under Franco? Because it is quite obviously an uh, an allegory to that time period but also what it says about it now like 40 years after released if there do you think that there is a change in meaning unintentional for the filmmaker obviously because they can't plan how it goes on 40 years from the what's gonna happen in 2017 but uh, (laughs) that did the the actual meaning of the movie might have changed over time depending on signifiers of when we watch the movie so just wondering if uh what's your guys take on it well, firstly, I have to say my knowledge of the Spanish Civil War is not great, but and actually I did read when I was looking some stuff up for this that Cyrus said he didn't intentionally make this movie about the Spanish Civil War, that he was making a movie about a child who wanted to oh, murder. That's even more interesting if it wasn't intentional. Well, so he says anyway that he'd read about some child murder in America and wanted to make a movie about that but regardless because of the time when it came out and the father and everything it's it I was going to be read exactly that way, I don't yeah. think you can get away from that but I think like I 
I think the aunt in this gets a very bad rep. I think a lot of people say, oh, she's very stern. Like a lot of reviews, they, they kind of paint her almost like she was as bad as a father, which I don't think is very fair. I think she is like that at the start. Yeah. And she's quite yes. soft a lot of the rest of the time. There's and a lot of very tender scenes with her. Yeah, like she she's is obviously. More even, misguided than anything else. Even the scene where she finds them with the wig and the makeup, that she doesn't go crazy. She's quite, she's like, don't do it again, you know, but that's it. And I don't know if that sort of reflects a little bit of that that sort of fear that the dictator is gone but what are we going to have next yeah. is it going to be another dictator and in the end things kind of work out okay like the ending is almost a bit of a surprise to this film i think and maybe we're talking about this a bit too soon but you don't really know how it's going to end and then suddenly they leave they leave the house you know it's obviously back to back school, to school. Yeah. the aunt is not dead and everything is fine you know it's, so it's not quite a happy ending but yeah. it's more a sort of mediocre normal life carries the on the continuation ending. of it yeah and how like you know obviously in that morning Anna's stricken you know that's like yeah. you're not dead but then you see her going to school and she's just like da, 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 da. you know that kind of just the way of a child of going on but in that kind of way of, of like the continuation of a, of a life and of, of a nation of, of like people within a nation and how no matter what things will just continue and and people will go on and eventually forget about Franco. Yeah. yeah. And they may have had a bad dream like you know that dream that Irene is recounting at breakfast about being kidnapped and yeah. they're basically yeah. about to kill her and then she wakes That's up. It's a great scene as well. It is. That's yeah. in fairness I think maybe I'm being a bit a bit unfair to Irene because that actually is I feel like if we just had a little bit more of her throughout, yeah, but that was a really... It's a good performance. Yeah. Like, that one definitely. is. But, you know, is that kind of alluding to it as well? That sort of fear of the worst happening? And then you wake up and actually it was all in your head. Yeah. Yeah. Also, like, uh, referring to the aunt, it's kind of the... Uh, so unfair to... Like, I do agree with you that it's unfair the way that even Anna deals with the aunt that is like, oh, hope you die, and then tries to kill her. Yeah. Uh, yeah, well... Because the aunt is also in mourning. Her, I feel. Yeah, exactly. It's her. Because, it's her brother. Yeah. And also, like the her sister. Huh? She's the. Uh, oh she's yeah. The, uh, sister oh, you're of right. Sister of the mother. Sorry. Which is kind of weird as well because she's speaking like in non-accented Spanish, and then uh, Geraldine Chaplin is speaking in accented ah, Spanish. Interesting. And, but then when it's Anna, she's stopped over. But I think that is very kind of pointed for the fact that Geraldine Chaplin is in the movie and also the way of the the outside world kind of ignoring that issue because it's the biggest criticism that even Sarah used to make outside of Spain obviously when she was like in Cancer how the the entire world fought uh, a war against fascism and then when the war was over they just left one country there with yeah. fascism and it's like oh he didn't invade anywhere so it's grand even though like <laughs> yeah, they it's didn't it's just a self-contained idea yeah. but that it's well this is not affecting us so yeah the germans bombed the shit out of spain and whatever and they're like oh it's grand because part of spain wants that to happen rather than like poland or whatever the same way that they did with czech republic and stuff so i think it it is kind of a commentary sometimes about how like turn your other cheek kind of thing when you're not you shouldn't get involved even the way of how the mother knows that there's something people cheating but instead of going herself she sends anna yeah uh, the the wife of the dude knows that the uh, of the the husband the, the husband the, the Amelia's friend, yeah. husband yeah, yeah the, the she knows that he's up to no good as well but doesn't do anything lets him go off to mm. To the it's apartment that, that they invite them back. complacency that we've yeah. seen in even in something like The Conformist yeah. of how something like fascism takes over and often it is just complacency of people yeah. who know it's wrong but don't do anything about it. And I think it's also very uh, necessary that is one little point that how uh, when uh, Anna asked Rosa about uh, her father's past in the army mm. and how the father fought for the Germans in Russia which you had to be like a volunteer to go because the Germans couldn't get in. It's like the same way that the like there was an Irish brigade during the Spanish Civil War for both sides kind of thing. They you just volunteered and went kind of thing. Yeah. But uh, in this case is the like obviously he was not only like a career soldier. He was an a ideologue. Career fascist. Yeah, he was an ideologue that is not more like he truly believed in the cause. 
something that you can tell the Emilio, Emilia's husband's what's his name? I can't remember. Yeah, he's definitely like, just uh, going along with it. For yeah, the... like to have the finca, to have the. Uh, yeah, fucking... yeah, yeah. He, he'll enjoy the uniform and the power, but ultimately doesn't believe. A little bit like in Lacombe, Lucien. Yeah. And how, like, so many, like, the, 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 the fascists, what are they called in that again? I can't remember now. And how, like, they, they, you know, they, they clearly don't, they're not ideologues. They don't believe in what they're, yeah. they're spreading or what they're, you know, they just want to commit violence under the guise of uh of some kind of idea of uh fascism yeah i'm curious to know what you think about death and how much death there is in this because obviously it starts with the death which is the father's death and at the very start the first time the mother appears we don't know she's dead until that scene where they're coming down the stairs to essentially kiss their father goodbye and she mentions that the mother was there and then irene says dana but mother is dead then obviously their pet That's dies. That's so creepy as well that she appears in the background. Yeah. yeah. And obviously the, the hamster dies. The grandmother, you know, wants to die. And Anna offers to help her but can't. And then she tries to kill the, the aunt as well. So I'm just curious what you think about that. Like, do you think... And even the other thing as well, you know, when they're playing that hide and seek yeah. game? Yeah. Where you she have kills to die. them, you know. Yeah. And then Maita gets absolutely mugged. <laughs> Dana's like, I can see you, Maite. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can see you. you're behind that tree over there. And she's just like, what? Which tree? Because <laughs> I, th- I think kids are all a little bit fascinated with death because it's yeah. something that even as adults you struggle to comprehend. And, you know, how messed up do you think these children are? I suppose is my question. Yeah. Um, I think it's an interesting tie back to the spirit of the beehive and how like especially because it's Anna like the the character of Anna as well like I feel like the character of Anna and this is almost more like the sister in the spirit of the beehive and how she's a bit more kind of like like manipulative and controlling almost and a little bit sociopathic maybe but um obviously part of that is because of the whole idea of of being a child and not being able to comprehend something and how you say like I hate you I wish you were dead and really not understanding and like consequences and how what death actually means and uh obviously she's a bit older in this but I think what's interesting is that you get creeped out by Anna but at the same time kind of understand because she is a child why she's doing what she's doing you know and and how like you know when you're a kid and you you, you, like I remember kind of like oh I wish mom was dead like you know (gasps) you'd really you're lucky she doesn't listen (laughs) or that double digs um (laughs) uh like you know, and you really, 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 really think it. You know, so it's 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 an interesting kind of line that I think that it's straddling here. Yeah. And it's interesting that you've said that he wrote it um, after, you know, hearing about an actual child who killed people because it's, it is it is interesting how I don't think ultimately that Anna is, you know, she's not going to grow up and become a serial killer or something. It's just that she... Is has the same kind of like curiosity about death that yeah. her sisters do, but is just maybe a little bit more intense. Yeah, and actually, and one thing that just occurred to me today is, at what point does she find out that she didn't kill her father? Because throughout the film, right up until the day before she goes back to school, she thinks yeah. that she has a poison and can kill people. I love that with the glass so, and the washing of the glass. Yeah. But is that the point where she realizes that it it doesn't work because her yeah. aunt didn't die? Yeah, or does she still? To be, or yeah. does she still think that she killed her father? Like that's never really dealt with. I don't know though, because I'm thinking about like whenever in the narration, whenever she's talking about it, and she's like, "Oh, I never decided when I wanted to or why I wanted to kill my father." But she doesn't actually say. But yeah, that is actually kind of interesting. Of like, at what point in her life did she kind of like that was just calcium, whatever it was? Yeah. It was like baking <laughs> bicarbonate of soda. Yeah, I was like, yeah, that that was never gonna work. Um... But yeah, I think it. I think it is interesting that the the fact that they do kill the pet as well, because it is such a thing of like how of teaching children about death and how that probably would have been something that she would have understood more because like that she spent so much time with like this little animal and that it was almost like her own little child. Well, who, who was it, Orla, that told us that they when they were a kid they had like a hamster and their parents kept replacing the hamster when they died without telling her. So someone told us that recently. Yeah. So like oh, they... I know somebody whose parents had that with a budgie, and they only found what out the as fuck an is adult. A budgie? a budgie, a little bird. Okay, like a canary. Yeah. Oh, okay, but they only found out like literally a couple of years ago as an adult that they that don't live was not the years. same. That it wasn't <laughs> the you same. Not think of it though, because that's the problem with buying children pets like that. Yeah. In a way, it's good because 
they do die and then you do get the lesson whereas you know I, I don't know which is better really the fact that you have a pet and you, you learn responsibility and everything and then and then you have the idea of, of death but it's not like you know an actual person dying it's just an animal dying yeah but it's, so it's not like, the same of getting like a dog and the fucking thing lives until it's 17 yeah. and you can't like yeah. only if you leave the gate open strategically <laughs> <laughs> they run away to the farm um oh, poor old carambola my mother's dog that got run over uh, but um, wait, wait a second our dog went to a farm <laughs> casper because <laughs> <laughs> it was the name of us casper as well no i remember the car the people ghost? that came to pick him up i also didn't really like casper very much sorry no casper. he was a stray we ended up having he was while. an odd dog we have very bad luck with um, pets really until wanda came along but the thing with the death uh i think that it's interesting as well when you have like uh uh something like as a child for me i had the like the spectrum of that since the the beginning of like understanding things because uh one of my grandmothers died before i was born so one of the first questions is like why there's two and then why there's yeah one. you actually understand the idea of the absence of the person. yeah so then you get told stories about your granny and even before you start feeling that loss before it actually you've experienced any loss because yeah. you just feel the absence of a person rather than like the empty space almost and i don't know how i would have dealt as a child to like losing both parents separately as well because it's like but two in a very hits. short space of yeah. time like all the death in this which is quite interesting is that it's all very like squashed together yeah. and that like the weird way of like of, of the grief of that yeah. that they haven't even begun to process it and also like i limbo. think that it's kind of interesting that he dies like Spain. in a <laughs> yeah but only like uh, like franco because franco was in his deathbed uh, when they shot this movie yeah. uh, but also uh, the spain under franco is like ultra catholic and he dies committing quote-unquote the sin it's adultery so it's kind of like the because he yeah, dies by religion kind of thing. yeah and even like how anna prays a lot so it's kind of the like the release the when uh anna's mom is dying that she goes it's all a lie there's nothing there and i'm scared because she was expecting like the fucking angels to sing or something there's only pain misery <laughs> like where <laughs> <hearts Murder>. are <laughs> where hearts are just pops out of the corner going like That's such a <laughs> come with me if you That's want such to a fucked up scene as well when she's just like writhing in bed uh, yeah. oh it's awful yeah. but that one and then the the scene where anna's calling for her mother yeah you know, and, and she just she just keeps calling, Mama, Mama, that's, oh God, that gets me every time. Her, yeah, like her a little uh, face. It's a weird thing. It's, it's so a, believable because you're watching it going, this is a child whose mother is dead. Even, you know, you yeah. know, it's a film, you know, she's an actress, but, yeah. you know. Well, she's more than, like, Anna Torrent is fucking amazing. Like, yeah, like, to, to she's, a frightening level of, of just... How I say expressive the, her face is. the only per- child performance that can hold a light to her performance both in this and Pedro de la Colmena is uh, fucking Elliot and E.T. that's it like there's no yeah. other competition like I don't think like for child actors but, but no. maybe Christian Bale in Power of the Sun but he's a bit older yeah, there, so it's that's kind of yeah. no because she's still very young in this so it's like in this movie in particular, like compared to Perito La Comuna, that she has a lot more to do as well as a actress. That mm. she has to really uh, intelligently play the character. So she's both empathetic and mysterious. And you go like, "What the fuck are you doing, Anna?" And you're gonna end up stop like, killing people, Anna. <laughs> I do love like this you get a little bit of it in this of of, of like how girls are, are brought up and like, yeah. the thing of how the, the doll and, and how yeah. fucked up it is that little girls are given dolls I was and, thinking that and, as like, well uh, yeah breastfeeding or whatever yeah. and it's grand. but like the strength like the, you know obviously the, the curiosity and everything but just the thing with the doll I don't know it's but even when she shows up with the gun the guy goes oh that's not for girls it's yeah like, <laughs> and she was like a 10 year old boy with a luger and be like oh it's grand <laughs> just go shoot some some commie out in the street like yeah, yeah it's funny it's true or even the scene where you know the 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 aunt is sewing yeah and anna is sewing as well yeah you know and she she just seems a little <coughs> a little young yeah but then again i suppose you don't know maybe she wanted to do it and copy the aunt 
Yeah. And also, or like, her uh, mother as well, I suppose. Yeah, because the, the, then when she, oh, me pinche, the, she uh, prickles herself. Pricks herself. Pricks. pricks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> She's in a jar, like, <laughs> like a cucumber. Uh, oh, that's that's pickles. A, yeah. Oh. Um. Um, uh, <laughs> what uh, do you guys think also of the, the fact that uh, the granny is in the state as well and it's never clear whose mother she is from yeah oh, i didn't think about that for some reason i assumed that she was the father's mother but i'm not i'm not sure. i think it was because of the photographs yeah, but the photographs are kind of like 50 50s that kind of like yeah. family kind of portrait that shows like the younger father and also the younger mother so it's kind of like the past rather than uh, yeah i i think that sort of the the idea of uh, the grandmother, certainly the fact that she is also the, the trapped idea, but even that she's sort of there as like a representative of the older generation and yeah. like older Spain. And even the way that like she's, every, you know, she every day she just kind of sits, but she's like perfectly done up and everything. Yeah. And, and like, you know, has a kind of a, the vibe of being a very, very Catholic woman. And yeah, I thought it was like, she's a very interesting character. And, uh, you know, that that kind of like disturbing thing of the idea that she's not able to talk, but she's trying yeah. so hard to communicate what she's feeling. And like to the small child, he's just sort of like trying to interpret it. Like the, the kind of like the barrier between them is quite interesting. I, 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 I like the character of Granny. I, yeah, I, d- I never thought about whose mother she was, but I feel like that scene you know, in the room where they have to kiss the father goodbye and she's kind of there in the shadows and Anna refuses to kiss her father and runs and hides behind the granny. Yeah. I don't know. I get the feeling she must have been the mother's mother yeah, because probably. there wasn't... Oh, that's a good There's point, not much actually. kind of interaction there and she doesn't look very upset or anything. Yeah. I think that her son has died. Um, but one thing I thought was... I read um, someone's analysis of the film, which I'd never really realized before, is that the mother and the granny and Anna all have their own kind of theme song. And that Anna's is oh. Porchetti Vass, and then the mother's is the really somber piano, song she yeah. plays in the piano. But the granny's is that, um, what is it called? Mary Cruth song that she loves. That's a really good point. I yeah, forgot about that. that. It's like this three generations, and they each have a song that's a little bit kind of poignant. Yeah. Because yeah. I suppose, especially the granny's and very representative because, of both their generation and their personality. Yeah, and her song's about this like beautiful woman. You know, and it's quite sad because when you're listening to it and you're thinking, well, she's probably dead now or she's certainly not La Bonita anymore. And mm. and the other songs are sad in their own way as well. Obviously, the song on the piano is just It's almost sad. like a death march. Yeah. <laughs> it like, is. And for Katie Vass, you know, obviously it's sad because it's a sort of tragic love song. Pop yeah, song, why you know, do you You're leave? leaving me yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. Also, like, uh, uh, just thinking about it, like, in a generational sense, it's, like, interesting that she's the silent one as well. Because if you think of the movie as an allegory is the the three allegory yeah alligator sorry i had to say it at some point <laughs> the, the 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 she's the, the uh, from the generation from before the the war probably yeah. since made it clear that she's the mom's um, mother rather than the father's mother that she has to remain silent during the dictatorship even though she's completely uh not willing to be part of it almost and yeah. then the father and the mother the time before. yeah and the father and the mother are the ones rep- responsible of all the trauma of the re- of the generation that came after the generation that has to deal with the the fallout of this marriage between right wing and left wing that obviously fell to bits because any capitalist society or whatever the basis that you have to have a like a center a moderate yeah. kind of thing so I think that that's maybe like looking into how disparaging both sides either are as well that like the mother's almost portrayed as a saint flawless and the moment that rosa is gonna like uh, she's talking about her that's like oh she got a lot worse than she deserved and she was even like, the idea of the, her creativity being stifled by yeah. like the, the, her fascist husband you know, like even that idea of like the the, the regime crushing the like the soul of spain or whatever <laughs> you know it's like um but way better than that sounds um, but i think that <laughs> watch it, this film it's really good that even though he uh he says that he didn't do it thinking about the civil war is that every single movie carlos out has something to do with the civil war and he i think he always had the, that argument and mostly i think it's because 
he still wanted to make movies in in yeah, Spain well, afterwards. Because yeah. if he's saying that the, the movie is about the Spanish Civil War, it's clearly very much a criticism of, of yeah, but if the it's just about regime. childhood then it's you know oh people are just reading into it it just that? happens that they're yeah. generals it just happens that they went to war it just mm. happens lots of people's that... fathers are generals yeah. and give them guns yeah <laughs> ah uh, this oh, but did it, he? It me, <laughs> <laughs> uh, what's your favorite thing about the movie uh kira uh i think it probably has to be anna torrent because I feel like this movie wouldn't work with somebody else. Yeah. Because yeah. it is, it, it's quite a weird concept when you think about how much death is in it and what this child goes through and what she does or at least thinks that she does. So I, I just can't really imagine like another actress doing this role and being that convincing. So I think, yeah, my vote has to be for her. Yeah. And you I think I probably, I probably agree. Like, I mean, there's, I, I do, I love the... The, the like just the, the strange like mysterious and how like almost cold this movie is in yeah. a lot of ways as well and the kind of the just the like what i was saying at the start like especially in comparison to uh spirit of the beehive and how there's there's such a warmth from even like the the, the warm tones of it but even like the warm presence of uh the father in that yeah. in that film whereas there's no real kind of like warm presence in yeah. this. Even Rosa feels hypocritical in some way that, that she's almost like corrupting them in another way that no, no, there's no real like true warm figure in this. And, and I really, yeah. I, I, it, it kind of added to the idea of the deep seated pain of the time. And, uh, I, I come like just the creepiness of that. I really, I really enjoyed it, but, um, it's probably Anna. <laughs> she's just great. <laughs> like, I mean that, it's it's just incredible I, it's incredible that i never knew of her until this yeah. year you know she's just she's a wonderful actress ricardo what was your favorite thing uh geraldine chaplin which i never thought i i kind of like ruined mm. the surprise and i gets all the all the love but i think uh, you're right like i think that like i i i'm not a huge fan of geraldine chaplin to be honest in general i was very surprised by her performance and for one i was really weirded out because it took me a while to catch on that it was geraldine chaplin because her spanish is pretty good yeah so it's kind of like what the, like when it copped on what i was like is she, in? she is in dr shivago the orphanage uh oh, she's in chaplin she, i know yeah okay. the age of innocence um what else? Yeah, she's she has quite a strange, frail appearance. Like she's very, very, very thin, like incredibly yeah. thin woman, and has like that kind of pale, thin skin where you can almost see her like veins. Like she's a strange looking woman. Yeah, like, a, uh, like almost like a Shelley Duvall or something. And like that, both you know? her and Anna Torrent are in a terrible Spanish movie with Wes Bentley called "There Will Be Dragons" about the Spanish Civil War, oh, which dear. is kind of like they made full circle. Um, but I think that her performance is really subtle, but at the same time, great. In the like, you'd never know if she's the, that character is just the like a a projection of Anna's imagination of what mm. her mother would be in the absence. Of yeah. Her, yeah, and also like how she portrays Anna in an older age that you can she just uses her eyes and it's not even her voice because she's being dubbed over. I didn't notice that. Well, that's that's like the polar opposite to the conformist, yeah. as in the idea of very good dubbing. Well, if, you can notice it's dubbed, she, but not that it's. If she hasn't been dubbed, no, it, I think she has. Yeah. But yeah. if she hasn't, is it, like it would be that somebody like she got better Spanish training because there's like it's a very clear Madrid accent yeah. when she's speaking as Anna, and when she's speaking as the mom is not heavily accented, but it is there like it's yeah, her natural voice it. in the way of like michael yeah. fassbender speaking german kind of like thing. let's put it this way that her accent in spanish is a lot uh, less noticeable than my accent in english so i'm not <laughs> criticizing it or anything but <laughs> but at the same time it's, that it's just like slightly noticeable to somebody that is like it, it probably my accent in spanish because i've been here so long is worse than oh, hers yeah, as probably, well yeah. so it's not that i'm criticizing or anything it's just like an interesting thing uh, and I think as well, like even the when she's like writhing in bed or whatever, it's a very truthful performance at the same time, feeding into the the magic realism of the movie and also like how she's also creepy at times. There's yeah. there's a lot yeah. of like ground that she has to cover, and I think she does like immensely well. And I think like Anna Torrent is amazing. 
But I think that it, it, Geraldine Chaplin doesn't work. Yeah. It doesn't matter what Anna does because you don't have that the the actual crutch of why Hannah is the way that she is. Mm. Yeah. And I think that it like with the lesser time was also a memorable performance when Anna has a lot more time to flesh yeah. out her character. There's a lot there's kind of a lot of things that, that this film is, is sort of like riding on to yeah. succeed. Because it's a lot of things happening uh like with the surrealism and then like the historical idea of it and the allegory and everything hap- like together they it's very, very impressive that this movie works throughout its 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 uh, its running time. And what's your least favorite thing, Kira? Uh, I think it's probably... So, I think it's pretty clear throughout the film that Anna confuses or doesn't quite understand death and confuses it with absence. And that's never really reconciled. And right at the end where, you know, she gets that shock of, oh, the aunt is dead, you know. I, she goes to sleep thinking that she's killed her and she hasn't. You know, and, and there's never really a kind of conclusion to mm, that that's very close and to it, the end and it's not covered even in the kind of flash forwards if you like where yeah. she kind of goes like oh she never really explains like when she kind of came to realize a she hadn't killed her father and b kind of gotten her head around it so i i think that and and it's a very very minor criticism yeah but it, and it's only something i'm really thinking about now and i've watched it various times and i'm really pulling it apart i don't yeah. think it's something that spoils you know a viewing mm. of the film it's almost that you just want to know more yeah, yeah like that's pretty the mystery much. of this that you really you know you just want that little yeah i know what you mean maybe it's the open end in this of filming this while franco was in his deathbed mm, of not knowing what the the future may hold and what the actual mm. like consequence there, there's an uncertainty of it all. within everything yeah. that the characters are doing definitely an uneasiness um what do you think orla Probably the father. That no. was the one thing that that sort of stuck out to me. But it it didn't, definitely didn't ruin like it didn't ruin any aspect of it at all. Um, I just I think for me I think it was his his performance and maybe like what you were saying about him having like just one more scene of of just being there with them, even yeah. if it had been like because he never interacts with the kids whatsoever. No. Like, even he, when they go to the maybe if they had the... shown the scene where he gave them the guns or something. Yeah. Because that was clearly yeah. something they'd done together, but yeah, maybe they could have shown that or something. Yeah, but um, no, it, it it was it was quite minor, but um. Yeah, like it's just missing a scene there. Literally, it's yeah. not like I don't even the think that is the performance the that way. Mm. Because if the perf- if there was like a moment just of in warmth, comparison to everyone the else, other per- really, you know that kind of. Yeah, but if there was a moment of warmth that his performance would come out, like even as it is more complex because there's a moment of warmth and then whatever afterwards, it's just because you just see that side. It's just like the, literally the... It feels one note. Yeah. Yeah. Like it feels like the idea, a 1950s idea of a shitty husband, you know, like, oh, like, like fucking madman, like another reference, like the fucking P. Campbell, <laughs> like the, you come in late and go like, fuck you, I'm tired, shut up, I'm just going to bed. But just wait a little bit and you realize they're one of the best characters. Uh, for me, it was like not knowing what the mother died of, uh, like, because yeah. it was very strange, like, uh, I, I get it, but like I would have liked that the kids didn't understand what she died of because but they we, couldn't the understand. Knows, yeah, because yeah. then you have like a, a kind of like concept of what's going on on the on the macro, the micro, and also like a, a timeline of how long they yeah. ha- they were only with the father. Because then, if they were there for like a year or more, it's more even more noticeable that there's no scenes of him with the kids. Because he doesn't come yeah, across as somebody true. that wouldn't like take a couple like a month off or whatever. Even like the the government would just give him a month off. Like he'd be like, "Fuck, going to to work or whatever," to yeah. and like look after the kids and then go back to work and like become distant again. But like, is it doesn't feel real or it doesn't fit even in the logic of the movie? Like not having that explained, I think. And it's like again, I'm nitpicking here, but it's just like otherwise, like the you had the to pick something, so it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's true, and the other thing is, you know, when there's that scene where she's saying, "I'm sick, I'm sick," and he's saying, "You're not sick." Yeah. You know, we don't really know was she sick or or was it in her head or you know because clearly At she dies point, of a genuine yeah. illness because it looks or like she's bleeding she to death, suicide or something. I, I thought that I 
like did my she thought, actually poison herself with something else and but oh. my my thought there was that she had like the only thing that i had in my head was that she had an abortion yeah. Because she's bleeding from the vagina area, uh, which is kind is of she? weird for her to. Yeah, she like the blood is coming from the belly area, uh, yeah. kind of and like that's lower. Where she's kind of holding and herself also how well. they send her back from the hospital, and because that's of the Catholicism kind point. of thing that uh, uh, how Catholic Spain was at the time. Like if you went to hospital because you had like a botched abortion, they wouldn't look after you. They'll probably just send mm, you home because the nuns ran because the... of the, the I feel like, just punishment kind of thing. I feel like if it was that, that that would have been made more clear though. But at the same time, is it was still made under Franco, so it could have like the, the thing of like that you had to sne- sneak it in, just uh, like allude to it. Yeah, and almost because she, when she's saying like I'm dying, she's holding the belly, almost like I'm not gonna have another one of your kids because you're never here, kind of thing. <laughs> like it's, I'm just like thinking out loud here, but like, like it's very time. easy to read into things in this yeah. because it's all it's very rich and like the the subject matter is rich as well, and even like the history of filmmaking under Franco is very rich of. In an allegorical sense. Yeah, yeah. For, for all his uh, problems, Franco gave us good <laughs> <laughs> Well known. Inadvertently. Because this they is, had to be subtle. There's no, there's no like bombastic filmmaking because they had to be subtle. So yeah. it makes it even better like looking back. But then again, uh, I'm not saying that uh, the suffering and the deaths were... Uh, worth it for these, worth uh, it, yeah, these for, gems. Yeah. Yeah. I certainly hope that's not what you're saying, Ricardo. I'm most definitely not saying that. Uh, so yeah that's uh, on that note uh, uh yeah uh thank you very much for a uh, wonderful yeah, movie great and, uh, great movie great discussion like we could definitely keep talking yeah. here like it's it's one of those films great i'm delighted yeah. you enjoyed it because as i said it's probably one of my favorite films yeah it's a good one uh, also like uh make you feel quite like it makes me feel kind of like ultra smart to pick this movie <laughs> because like <laughs> That I, like even me knowing the director, I hadn't heard of this movie, so it's kind of like a deep cut kind of thing. That I, I, I it's a good pick because it is that personal kind of thing. That yeah. it's like I didn't think about films, that yeah. actually. That I thought about you not watching it with, with watching it without subtitles, but I didn't think of of really how close this would feel to to yeah. your childhood, and that's interesting. Yeah. Well, yeah. Another perspective. Well, I've had this idea in mind for quite a while, and then the time you did oh, Spirit yeah. of the Beehive, I thought, <laughs> oh no, because you hadn't done a Spanish film yeah. up to that point, so I thought, right, I'm going to suggest this will be your first Spanish film. Obviously it wasn't, but in a way it's probably better that you've seen yeah. Spirit of the Beehive first chronologically and so on. But so. they're great companions. I think they both add something. It doesn't no. feel like repetition at all. Like Even even using the same actress, they've, they're both such different eras and approaching it in different ways, so definitely. El monstro. Um... <laughs> Yep. Uh, so Orla where can people find us uh, they can find us on Facebook The Recommendation Game on Twitter at The Rec Game you can email us at TheRecommendationGame at gmail.com you can almost also find us on the Dublin Digital Radio Mixcloud and on Dublin Digital Radio on Mondays at 11 to 12 and if you want to donate to independent Irish radio shows like this one you can uh, find their uh, Patreon on their social media and their website as well Next week's film is Ricardo's pick. Ricardo, what are you picking? Uh, Snowpiercer. Oh, interesting. We've jumped ahead in time again. Uh, yeah, so thank you very much, Kira. This was a good pick, good chats. Thank you. And uh, also one of our quite loyal listeners and uh, constant, I think probably number one friend of the pod. Uh, sorry, Felipe. Sorry, Claire Gleason, but Woohoo. she tells us listen every week. <laughs> I was Orla McNeilis. I was Ricardo Deacon. And I was Kira McNeilis. Thank you for listening. See you next week.